0: Your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. Is sponsored by It's a Dog's World Grooming, Boarding, and Daycare in Onalaska. I'm Mike Hayes for more great local. T- all right, all right, we got it, we got it. I didn't hit top of the page. All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talking text line. Thanks, Mike, for that, and Tony for the Dog's World. Appreciate it. 608-785-7914. Coming up on the show, I'm going to have Planning Administrator Tim Acklin from the City of La Crosse on. He's been doing that for 19 years. And we're going to talk about a couple of things. I uh, He's the head of the Heritage Preservation Commission as well. I believe he's the head. At least he oversees it. Uh, so I want to do a little bit about their their lists. They do the top 10 lists. I like lists. So Top 10 most endangered buildings in La Crosse. Uh, it's the stories we've had in the past, but you know, I got the guy that's in charge of this commission. So we're going to talk about the top 10 list a little bit. Uh, they added two, two, two buildings to that list. Um, I wonder if they're in order. I don't think they're in order, but it's on the on the website. It's last year's list, so i got to yell at him to update that. But the big thing that we want to talk about is, um, and we'll get him to explain it a little bit better, but it's called Forward Lacrosse. You could just go to the website, forwardlacrosse.org. And it's just a, a a way to get the public's feedback in how the city should be moving forward. We haven't done this since two thousand two, so uh, it's been twenty years. And Ackland told me before that they hadn't done it since the sixties. <laughs> so uh, there's a kind of a big gap there. Two big gaps, really. Uh, and, and he said we probably do it every ten to fifteen years. So just just hasn't been something on the radar I guess but it's it's something that is if you if you follow any of the city websites it's being put out there and I thought yeah good time to have Tim on to, to kind of explain what it is how the community should get involved and what kind of things you might see the community ask I guess just in terms of where the the city is headed and it could be you know well, I gave him an example we we talked a little bit before the show I'm like well do we need landing pads for flying cars soon I mean back to the future I had flying cars already so we're behind the but he said yeah maybe a little bit more general than that so we'll talk to him about that there is some news uh, from the state and we might break this down tomorrow with uw lacrosse political science professor Dr Anthony Tygowski but the uh, we had we had a, a little we did this uh, a little bit last Friday, but just the idea that uh, Assembly Speaker Robin Voss uh, has has deleted any emails and text messages that would have had to do with the Michael Gableman investigation. And we were a, a judge had ordered that he come up with those emails and texts or he'd be fined $1,000 a day, which means taxpayers would probably be fined. I think there was even a story about that at some point, like who actually gets fined? Uh, and it's most likely the taxpayers. If if Robin Voss doesn't produce emails, the the citizens of Wisconsin get fined. <laughs> it's just the most ridiculous thing. Um, so, but a judge today said we're giving up on trying to search his cell phone. We've we've we can't get the text messages. We can't find them. So I guess if you delete your text messages, there's no finding them. Uh, so feel safe when you all are out there deleting your you know. Uh, shady text messages. There's no way to recover those. Uh, Voss had an expert talk to the judge, and uh, the Voss's lawyer hired an expert. This is always funny. Voss's lawyer hired an expert. The expert told the judge, ah, there's no way we can get these text messages off his phone. The The expert didn't even look at Voss's phone. He just knows in general there's no way to do it. Um, and it says here in the story, it's on wisdomnews.com, Voss's attorney did turn it over to the judge. What he said were between 10,000 and 20,000 deleted emails from Voss's legislative email address that were responsive to search requests from the group American Oversight. How many people are deleting ten to 20,000 emails? <laughs> like, who does that? The idea that we're deleting text messages and emails, that's the fun we had last week. Like, just uh, w- when do you ever, maybe if I look at uh, the Best Buy daily email that I get in my junk email, my Yahoo email that I've had for 20 years, Maybe I'm deleting that Best Buy daily ad email because, oh, the nothing in the best. I look at it. I'm like, ah, I don't want to buy any electronics for Best Buy today. Delete. But I'm not deleting ten to 20,000 emails and text messages. and Never delete. I might delete uh, some spammy text message because I don't want it again. But I don't even do that because I want to know, oh, this thing keeps spamming me. Then eventually I can just text back, stop. And you don't get that anymore if you don't do that. If you delete the email, then you'll never you'll never learn. Right? Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. So that was uh, that's kind of an interesting story. It's on the Wisdom website today. I I uh, I'm sure we'll have a little bit more fun with that as well going forward tomorrow, especially. Um, but yeah, I'm going to have Tim Acklin come on. Uh, the other things we could talk about. Just I don't think he's in charge of roundabout, so we can't do roundabout talk as much as I would want to. We could do roundabout talk today, that would be fun, but I, I don't think he's in charge of those. Um I have someone calling in. Nope, they have no. All right. So well, sorry. Um, what other things what other things that I have on um, that you maybe give a quick update on River Point. I don't I don't know the the just north of the Oktoberfest grounds. Um, oh, the one other thing that I thought would would be kind of important, and, and it still do, deals with the Heritage Preservation Commission, is just the idea that there's an open lot in downtown Lacrosse. It's just, uh, you, if you anyone anyone lives near downtown Lacrosse, they probably take their dog to this place. <laughs> um, but at one point, I think back in January, we did have somebody that wanted to develop that lot, and they came up with a plan and. Um, it, and it's kind of it's kind of interesting. It's very unique in terms of uh, there being an open lot and then you know building because it's within the historic district. So uh, we can get Jay's take on that as well, or Tim's take on that as well. The guy, the developer's name is, uh, or the developer would be on J Street. That's why I said Jay there. Um, anyway, six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. We will get Brad to do the news. Then I'll bring uh, City Planning Administrator Tim Acklin on when we come back. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to La Crosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text line. If you want to get in here, shoot me a text. I have Tim Acklin, the planning administrator in the City of La Crosse, on with me, sitting in City Hall, just uh, anxiously awaiting what the Judiciary meeting tonight, Tim? The Finance and Personnel Committee. Oh, yeah. Judiciary was uh, Tuesday. My bad. Yeah. Uh, very exciting. Do you have to hit all those meetings? There's only like 42 committees.
1: Only the ones that have items that our department has been a part of, just to make sure there's no questions from the council or the commissioners.
0: How would you rank uh, tonight's meeting? I mean, sometimes there's, I saw the word resolution on the agenda a lot.
1: Every meeting is riveting and full of excitement. So, <laughs> um,
0: all Always,
1: right. always, you know, always entertaining and, you know, desirable to be at, yeah.
0: Uh, all right. So obviously, I, I I I teased you a little bit here. We wanted to bring on bring you on to talk about forward lacrosse, and I think we'll do that in the, the second half here. But because we just have twelve minutes, so I wanna I wanted to break down the uh, you're you're I, are you the head of the Heritage Preservation Commission, or do you just oversee it?
1: I'm the staff person for the preservation Heritage Preservation Commission. Okay. Um, and sort of been the de facto preservation planner of the city for the last nineteen years.
0: Okay. Oh wow! Just nineteen years now. I've been doing that forever. Did you kind of create that position, or
1: no, not, not necessarily? And th- not what's position. The thing is, it sort of ties into like the comprehensive planning process, which is you know another part of what we we're going to talk about. But part of one of the directives out of that plan was to have preservation come from the planning department, and so. When they had created the position I had originally applied for, that was one of the responsibilities of that position. And so when I applied for it, I had some experience in that and helped me get the position here with the City of La Crosse.
0: And I said position, I meant commission. Like maybe we you come up with this Heritage Preservation Commission because it's important to preserve the heritage of La Crosse. <laughs> um, oh, yeah.
1: And commissions are fairly typical for cities to have. It helps them, you know, have a body in place with some expertise when it comes to. Preservation of our historic resources and giving direction on their restoration and any future projects that are done with them.
0: Yeah, and, and we, we talked real quick about the show or before the show, and I, I mentioned this to you that the J Street apartment plan that that was interesting to me because the. And then you you mentioned it was going to be even more interesting. But back in January, we had this uh, we had someone come to probably the Heritage Preservation Commission, right, and come up with a plan. Hey, because we have a vacant lot in downtown Lacrosse, which always seems funny, but it's perfect for people with dogs, right? Um, and we have this vacant lot. And how how much work does it take to you know what I want to put something here, but you can't just put like a McDonald's there or anything, right? There, the, there's a whole process uh, because it's in the in within the historic boundary.
1: Well, I mean, you could technically put a McDonald's there by zoning, but it would be probably the oddest-looking McDonald's that you'd ever see. I mean, you'd, what you'd see is something with a a starting point with, like, the subway you have downtown where it's more of a brick building. It has some, some, you know, it is appropriate to the downtown. It has some characteristics that kind of fit in with the historic core. So, I mean, if it was a McDonald's, you'd be looking for a building that it's a little bit more than that one, but that's where you would start off with. But typically, when you're trying to do infill development in a historic district, you're not really looking for a building that looks like it was built in 1880. What you're looking to do is find a building that is um, compatible. Compatible. It shares a lot of the characteristics of the architecture in the downtown, you know, with the, the different uh, window types, with the cornices, with the dentils at to the top, and a lot of the architectural features but you don't want to try to recreate something. You want it to have its own character. You want it to be distinct, but still yet fit in. And so it's, it is tough and a little more challenging for architects to try to do that. And since this was really a space that was a kind of our first vacant lot and building within the actual historic boundary, we wanted to make sure we got it right. So we have worked a lot with the architects. Um, Preservation Commission looked worked a lot with the architect. There was a few times they came through with revisions of their plans and – we had thought there they had come up with something great. And so I kind of feel like COVID and the, the cost of materials and the availability of materials have sort of pushed it off actually being built at this time. So I think they posited. But if they were to build that building there, I think it, they had done a really great job of getting it to fit in and meet the requirements.
0: Now, when it comes to them coming up with a plan, do you care what the building, for you, you, you care more about what the building's going to look like versus what's going to be in the building?
1: I would say more so, yes. I mean, I think we're always supportive for upper floor residential. That seems to be very popular at the moment, to have more people living downtown. And, you know, typically what supports your downtown and the retail and the commercial that goes on there is the people that live there, not necessarily the tourists that come. And so the more people we have living downtown, the more vibrant your downtown can be. And so, yeah, I I would like to see the use be upper floor residential and ground floor retail office, but... Yes, we do tend to focus more on the building design from a Preservation Commission standpoint.
0: How much uh, how much feedback do you get, or are, are, are I guess how much uh, of a part of the plan are you to make, I'm going to throw this one at you, Pearl Street, just kind of like State Street in Madison, where Pearl Street would just be a walking street?
1: We do get involved in those discussions, um, and those discussions are kind of happening right now. There is actually a process that the city is working on with ISG about Pearl Street and sort of its future and what they want it to look like. Um, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of literature and support out there that pedestrian-only corridors don't work. Then um, there's others that would want to have that. So, you know, I think that's part of the process they are going through right now. If you would talk with a lot of the property and business owners along there, they're not necessarily in favor of it because they're concerned about, obviously, parking, They're concerned about the delivery vehicles. I mean, there is easily, you know, 50 to 80 delivery vehicles down that street a day or a week or something along those lines. There's quite a lot that are dropping off. And so where would they go, right, if it became a pedestrian-only corridor? So I think there's a lot of pros and cons to it, um, and we're kind of going through a process right now with ISG and the public about what they do want that future of Pearl Street to be.
0: Yeah, I saw a video of the Philadelphia Phillies mascot was shooting hot dogs out of a gun at 90 miles an hour. Maybe we just do that with the delivery service. We just shoot shoot it to the end as, ends of Pearl Street. No,
1: Right, all those <laughs> cases of beer for all the bars and all yeah. the food, right? Just, just yeah. shoot it out of a gun. And oh,
0: yeah. you didn't even. Th- I was just thinking, like, uh, we, we've, <laughs> we're we doing a lot of, like, pick up, pick up our food, right? Like, instead of eating at the restaurant, we just do curbside pickup. But I was just thinking <laughs> that way. You're right. Yeah, we got to get the food to the back of the restaurant to get it into the freezer and the refrigerator. Um, yeah, that would be, that would be interesting. Um, all right. So going, going back to the heritage heritage preservation commission, uh, we lost two buildings on your top 10 list. I always like to bring up the top 10 list because lists are fun. Um, and I don't think your top 10 list, first of all, Tim, you need to update, or, uh, yeah, Tim, you need to update it because, uh, it's still last year's list. And then, um, yeah. we, we lost club two can and we lost the, the city granite and marble works building right off the coming from Minnesota, right off the bridge the blue bridge there. Um, and if I remember right, we've we've changed, uh, we've we've changed some city ordinances where where maybe that won't happen anymore. Where maybe we don't lose these buildings because we let them get so run down that they have to be demolished.
1: Good questions. Um, yes, we, I do know. I need to update that. We just the preservation commission really is just finalizing um, their list for twenty twenty two like in the last meeting. So, yes, I do need to update the website and in the process of doing that now. Um, Secondly, um, the two, you know, the yes, we are looking at we haven't changed anything yet. We are looking at sort of the demolition by neglect process that we currently have with the city and trying to evaluate our ordinance on how, you know, what we can do to revise that, what powers we have as a city to even, do, you know, whether we're in violation, or what powers we have as a city to be able to enforce something like that. Um, so we're really trying to evaluate that. It is tough. It is not a simple solution. Um, there are different components to the whole demolition process um, and, and and code enforcement and things like that. It's not a simple solution. That's kind of a, what we've evaluated so far, and in the process of trying to figure out where in our code we can can do revisions, have a better ordinance in place and then get the community support and the elected official support to help us enforce it. Yeah. So that's yeah. something like clubs 2 can doesn't happen in the future. And um, Yeah, I mean we, we just we don't want to lose another building. And and the one that was down by the bridge is the Marble Works building on Cameron Street or off of the Cameron Street bridge. There was this other issues with that. Unfortunately, that wasn't a demolition by neglect. That was the result of too many cars sliding into it, either from the ice or drunk drivers. And structurally, that building just wasn't able to stand anymore and it had to come down. So yeah. that was the result of that building. Yeah. That was the, demolition by neglect. So I guess I want to be fair to the owner of that building.
0: Yeah. Once you said it wasn't by neglect, immediately I thought about that minivan that had crashed. I think that was the last time I remember somebody crash. And I guess I'm joking. I'm laughing here a little bit, but. Um, it, it is, it is just like, I drive that intersection every day. So just the, the idea of sliding into that building was, um, kind of like, oh, oh boy. Um, yeah. So, so you added two buildings to this top 10 list, right? Uh, there, there's one, it's, it's a little hard to describe, but I, I have it on my Google maps here. It's, uh, the dance studio. There's a, a I think Jules coffee used to be in it. I don't know if Jules, I'm, not, I'm not a coffee drinker, so I don't know. Um, but it's Division street and 4th Street south there's a big brick building there and then casino bar which I think a lot of people know about we talked about casino bar with the with the fire chief yesterday a little bit and I just remember standing out there for two three hours as it burned um and and covering that fire but uh, you added those two so when you add buildings to this top 10 list uh, do we we hope that they're they get a little bit more attention so that we don't tear them down right
1: Yeah, that's sort of the whole point of this, and like the National Trust does this nationwide. They identify 10 or 11 of the most threatened buildings across the nation, and they're usually like these grand historic theaters that have, you know, haven't been, that have been neglected or vacant for so long, and and they're in need of of somebody new to buy them and and repurpose them, and hopefully the idea is to bring awareness to that. and that's kind of what we were trying to do with our list here in Lacrosse. is really identify those buildings that are not historically designated but have some historic or architecturally significance to their city or the neighborhoods that they're in. And that's what we were trying to do here. So the casino bar was on the list just because we knew that it had a recent fire and it hadn't been fixed yet. And we were concerned, I think partly too, is, in the wake of losing the Club Toucan building, we wanted to be sure that there was awareness that this building may be threatened just because we were concerned about its ability to get re- repaired. And we didn't want to lose another building in our downtown. I mean, our historic downtown is the largest commercial historic district in the state, and I'd like to c- continue to have that significance. And so, uh, so that we have that little piece of uh, you know, come up, it's from <laughs> that little piece that we can champion here, you know, other than Milwaukee, Madison. We have a larger historic district, commercial historic district than them. But I don't want to lose another building. So that one kind of is on there for that. The other buildings are on the 600 block of 4th Street. And really the concern was mostly on redevelopment. There's a lot of vacant lots on that block. If it's bounded by, I believe, 3rd, 4th, Cameron, and Division Street. We already lost one building on that block. Uh, there's a good little set of buildings on the southwest corner of that block, and but we were concerned there was lots for sale on both sides. Uh, the particular house at 608 Fourth Street was for lease or sale, and really we were just concerned about the buildings maybe coming down for a large redevelopment. And so again, it was to bring attention and awareness to these buildings. Um, you know, one is a uh, you know Victorian. Both are examples of Victorian architecture. Both are probably clearly uh, eligible for our local landmark designation. Uh, there's a go, original ghost sign on the side of the JP Color Building, which is the big, you know, multi-story building that has a dance center in it. Uh, and then the John Halverson House is sort of a, still a rare example of a residential home, what could be a home, you know, downtown. So. They're just. it's also a way to bring awareness to historic preservation, sort of some of these buildings that you might take for granted and don't notice as they're driving up and down 3rd and 4th Street. And it's awareness, education, and maybe somebody is interested in wanting to purchase it and keep it.
0: We're speaking with Tim Acklin. He's the planning administrator in the City of La Crosse. He's worked his way up to that position doing this for the past 19 years. Okay, real quick, before I go to break and then we talk about forward lacrosse, uh when we lose a, a building like Club Toucan they demolish it and we talk about the empty lot and that guy's got to come up with a plan them to kind of make it look historical right when you're building a brand new building in the in a historical district do do the Club Toucan owners have to do the same thing they have to come, they have to bring you a plan and go and you have to prove it it's got to kind of like match the the area
1: yeah whatever they and to be fair to the owner of the Club Toucan building you know, there was other issues there. It, it did look like it needed, from the outside, it did need some work. But there was some also issues with that building. So I, I guess I don't necessarily want to say that that was a result of demolition by neglect. There was structural issues with that building internally that most people couldn't see, or practically everybody couldn't see. It was on the internal part. So, there, you know, it did sit, while it did sit vacant for a long time, there was also structural issues. So I don't want to solely... Um, sure have the, you know, the applicant take, or the owner of the building kind of be accused of demolition by neglect the whole time because there was structural issues with that building. That being said, yes, anything that they want to do in the future with that spot that requires a structure, they would have to go before the Preservation Commission, and I have been and talked with the owner of that site, um, you know, about what they want to do, which, uh, uh, you know, he has some exciting plans for that site and, um, and what they would have to go through with the city for approval to do so.
0: All right. All right. We're going to take a break. Scott's comment coming up. Brad doing the news. When we come back, we're going to talk about the forward lacrosse campaign, which we haven't done in 20 years. So uh, we'll have to get an update from Tim on that. Stay tuned. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608 785. 7914 is the text line. Some people are, are texting me, Tim. I made the joke about Robin Voss, the Assembly Speaker, deleting all his texts and emails. How many texts and emails do you delete when when you get them from the city, so that nobody can see? In case I open records, request some of the the tech. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone everyone immediately went to Hillary Clinton on me, and I was like, Yeah, sure. She deleted all kinds of emails. So yeah, this the Robin Voss deleting ten to twenty thousand emails. I haven't deleted an email and. More than one email in in a decade, I think. I have like 20. Your inbox probably got like 50,000 emails in it.
1: It could. It could very easily. (laughs) You know, honestly, I think since I've worked here, I don't think I've actually been part of an open records request.
0: Oh, boy. You're setting yourself up now. Yeah,
1: probably. (laughs) But the funny part is, is even if I delete an email, it's still stored somewhere else. So, I mean, it's not like I can... They're all stored. Yeah, that's... Yeah, the
0: yeah, and that's uh, that's kind of the the question with Robin Voss. Uh, he's deleting texts, is what it is, and they can't get the text off his phone. So you're safe if you delete your text. Apparently, um, anyway, I want to talk why about you don't
1: use your personal cell phone for work related texts, is what you don't right.
0: do. So. Stop texting me here. Um, anyway, Tim Ackland's the planning administrator for the city of Lacrosse. He's been he's worked his way up. How long have you been in in the planning administrator role? Because you worked your way up for 19 years. I imagine you started as as maybe the coffee getter. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was the entry-level, associate-level planner when I started, and then I became the senior planner, uh, worked my way up for that. And then just recently in the last year, I, my position was sort of restructured to be the planning administrator, which means that the other planners in the department report directly to me, and then I report to our director of planning.
0: And when you started all this, you know, nineteen twenty years ago, you had started as an architect, right? And then you, you thought, you know, I got higher aspirations, right?
1: Actually I went to school when I went to school I was originally an architecture major because I like buildings and then um, as I became more um, uh, informed of well uh, the planning the planning program, the urban planning program is also an architecture school. so I mean who knows who learns about urban planning when you're in like middle school and high school? I, I didn't know this was a profession. Until I went to college and architecture, and when I took some classes, it just was more interesting to me. So you could always use the reference to Seinfeld joke for that.
0: Yeah, know? George why, why just Yeah. Why, just, why,
1: why should I design stop at designing one building when I can design a whole city? <laughs> so, yes, I just I was more interested in that. I felt like that was and plus. You know, once you learn, you really can't draw very well. And coming an architect probably is less likely to be a profession you'll be good at. So,
0: I. Um, I am getting a text here from Phil. We were talking about just preserving and 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 rebuilding. And there's an empty lot, so not even rebuilding, but just building historic buildings within the historic district of La Crosse. Uh, Phil just texts: When rebuilding a historic building, why aren't they forced to make it look old, not just an old design? So make the building look old.
1: Because that's not what you do, really. You know, you don't. You still want you don't want to design a building that looks like it could have fit in 1880 and make it look old, that is actually disingenuous to the actual historic buildings. That's disingenuous to those uh, those masons and those architects and those designers that all had designed that building. Um, it, it's just you want to have that distinction between the old and the new. So you design something that fits in. Maybe it shares some characteristics. It shares some architectural features, but, but you do not want it to look like you can't tell the difference. It's, and so if you see, you'll see that on some buildings around the country. You'll see, like, this old church. And then they, you'll notice that if they put an addition on it, that addition may be separated by, like, a glass vestibule to show that there's a distinction between the old and the new. And the new part might share the same type of brick or block or masonry, it might share some of the shape, overall shape and design, but it will not be a recreation of what was the original building was. That's just the philosophy behind preservation that way.
0: And I'm surprised Phil Phil does this. I don't know Phil at all, but like I'm thinking, Phil, when you see somebody go and buy a brand new pair of ripped jeans, you got to roll your eyes and go, "Come on, what are you doing there?" So <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's yeah, a
1: you got rip- to earn those rips in your jeans.
0: Yeah, right. Like you're not gonna we're not gonna build a brand new building and make it. Uh, you know. And then there's, what? Like pound some holes in it to make it look old or something. Um, anyway, let's let's move on. The forward lacrosse campaign. We haven't done this. In, you told me before the show we haven't done this since 2002 and before that the 1960s. But can you just can you give an overview of what the forward lacrosse campaign is? And it's something that you really want. It's all about public feedback, right?
1: Right. So what we're doing is an update to the city's comprehensive plan. Comprehensive plan is really the overriding document. That guides developments policies capital budget uh, allocations for the city over the next 10 15 20 years uh, the comp plan is supposed to cover sort of goals strategies objectives and future you know projects over you know various areas of the city like economic development historic preservation uh, parks and open space neighborhoods land use urban design uh, you name it and essentially again, like I said, this this is supposed to be used as a document that our elected officials use and refer to when making those decisions, whether it's rezoning for land use, whether it's allocations to capital budget requests, whether it's policy, you know, for new ordinance changes or, or things of that nature. These plans, though, are supposed to be citizen-driven. They are not supposed to be plans that we as staff come together. I mean, we can make the plan, but, you know, To have these plans successful, they need to be championed and supported by the community. These plans are supposed to be how do you, community citizens of La Crosse, want our city to grow over the next 15, 20 years in these particular areas. And so what we started off and what we have kicked off is this campaign to begin this process of community engagement. We have what we feel is a pretty strong strategy in in getting the, the community involved. Uh, we want everybody to have the opportunity to be able to participate so at the moment we have um, a campaign through It's called Ford lacrosse that's what we named sort of this effort our last plan that we adopted was in 2002 it was called confluence it was a really well-written plan uh, It was the first comp plan the city had had since the 1960s and there was really a lot of smart growth principles in there and there was a lot of um, other strategies and goals that were met um, but again It's almost 20 years old now. That plan is largely outdated. A lot of the plan was implemented. And then since 20 years ago, there's a lot of new emerging issues, trends, concerns that have arisen that our plan doesn't address, that we want our current plan to address. And so, as I said, we started this big um, campaign as of yesterday. Um, We did an explosion through social media. We have a website. It's called Forward lacrosse.org, and that is where you can go to learn more about this process. We also have a survey on there. We have uh, we have a lot of opportunities to provide input through either a survey. We have interactive maps, which is a social pinpoint where you can go to various areas of the city and make comments in various areas, whether it's housing, parks, um neighborhoods, anything that you want. There's little sticky notes you can drag all over on there and make comments. Uh, if upload pictures, even with your phone. So this is something people can even do with their phones. They can go to this website, and they can snap a picture, and they can upload it to the social pinpoint and say, hey, this is exactly what I'm talking about. There's an issue right here with flooding. There's an issue here with this intersection. There's, a, Or it could be something great. This is what I love about lacrosse. Look at this plus. Look at this. Thing. So, there's ways for people to get involved and there's also, also a lot of other information on there. We have some videos that we took with um, citizens and business owners and cross about what they look forward to for the city and what, how where the city can go. There is um, opportunities then to sign up for future notifications. And this isn't the only opportunity to provide input. This is just the beginning. There'll be many more opportunities on our website where we're asking for other informa- pieces of information feedback on other components of the plan, the various areas. In addition to it, we'll be going out into the community and we'll be coming to organizations, neighborhood associations, um, libraries, uh, holding stakeholder groups and focus groups to also get information from you about various topics, your issues, your concerns, things that we're doing right. Um, you know, what, what can we do in there, you know, for the future and address and transportation urban design, neighborhoods, land use, what can we do? So, again, the whole point of this plan is to be citizen-driven.
0: Yeah, um, I would say... So t-
1: that we t- can go to the elected officials and say, this is what the people want when you're making your decisions about policy, land use, capital budgets, et cetera.
0: Yeah, I would say, Tim, that it's really important to get a lot of community feedback, too, right? Because if it's just like six guys, and be like, well, they're designing the whole city for the next 20 years, you almost have to throw out the plan if you don't get enough feedback, Right.
1: I would say if we only get six people through this whole process, that would be a, a complete failure on our part. Yes.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and now, you—if you—you've been doing this for 19 years. I don't. Maybe you're a lacrosse resident for your entire life. I don't know, but um, can you just give me an example? Maybe something that you would throw into the mix. Hey, this is Tim's opinion on forward lacrosse. Just an example. Uh,
1: well, I think you know. There's a lot of there's a lot of issues. That may have been issues before, but really, you know, concerns, projects. I think there's a lot of redevelopment opportunities still left in the cross that we can address. I think there's, um, I think there's a lot of neighborhood. You know, what can we do to keep our neighborhood stronger, or keep our neighborhood strong? Well, what can we do to keep neighborhood um, amenities? In these neighborhoods to help keep them strong like parks and pools and schools and stuff like that without them going away what you know I think we need to address our housing we have an older housing stock um, but we need to address how to provide more workforce housing Um, we need to potentially talk about having alternative modes of transportation how do we prepare for the eventuality of autonomous vehicles, uh, other forms of transportation. How can we be less car dependent? How can we reduce surface water so that it's less of an impact onto our stormwater infrastructure? You know, there's various things that I think we as a city need to talk about. And what are the priorities of the citizens to address? And I think that's also part of this is what are your priorities that we as a city and his elected officials should be addressing in multiple areas. You know, how do we bring more jobs here? How do we, you know, keep property taxes from increasing? You know, how do we work with our neighboring uh, townships and cities to, you know, be more collaborative and work together um, to bring more people to this region? You know, there's so many different things that we can talk about and discuss that that's what this plan covers
0: i think the answer to all those questions is more roundabouts i think that's no i'm just i i will say joe texted in he goes anyone in leader in a leadership role that references seinfeld means that we are in good hands so Tim, we're in good. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> we're in good hands. Um, I'm not anything, sure
1: if I'm in a leadership role, but I will take it.
0: Well, I, w- I would say as a, you're in the leadership role in the planning department, as the an administrator there, um, any other things that w- when it comes to the forward lacrosse campaign, I know you got to get to that that committee meeting, but you want to throw out there?
1: I, I, I urge everybody to get involved. I mean, we tried to make it as simple as we know how hard it is to get to meetings, town hall meetings. You know, with family, after-school activities, other requirements, other, you know, um, things you'd probably rather be doing than coming to a meeting somewhere. So what we tried to do, not that we won't still be holding meetings for input, but we also try to get it so people can do it from their homes. You know, maybe they're next to their, their uh, child helping them with their homework and they can go on, you know, the phone and fill out a survey as they're working at a math problem. You know, we try to make it easy for people to provide input in some manner through this process and hopefully be involved throughout it. It's a, it's going to be a long process. It's probably going to be at least a year and a half to go through all the different elements and gather all the information that we'd like. And so I urge you to go to FordLacrosse.org and be involved um, as much as you can and provide feedback, and we would welcome
0: it. All right. That's Tim Tim Acklin, he's the planning administrator for the city of Lacrosse. Tim, go get to your meeting. Get get to your committee meeting. It's committee week, so I know everyone's busy in the city. I appreciate you coming on.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: All right. We got to take uh, one more quick break. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Appreciate Tim Acklin spending the hour with us talking about Talking about old and new a little bit. Talking about old buildings, has a heritage preservation commission, and then kind of the the future a little bit. And and I think those two things clearly they intertwine because the heritage preservation commission is literally about preserving the heritage, and then forward with uh, forward lacrosse forwardlacrosse dot is you know about what the next twenty years of lacrosse will look like, but in that regard it will also have to preserve what lacrosse has always looked like to an extent i know phil wants uh the old buildings to look old i don't know how you do that do you pressure wash them a little bit <laughs> get them to like get this get the the stain dripping uh stuff like that <laughs> um 608-785-7914 is the 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 text line i don't have the, i don't have time to to talk but some of the some of the questions when it comes to forward lacrosse this is on the website. It's like, what are you excited about for lacrosse's future? What do you value or love about lacrosse? What topics should this plan address over the next ten to twenty years? What are the what are your no rules out of the box? Anything is possible vision of lacrosse. That's the 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 flying cars. We need we need essentially helipads on top of buildings. Right? A, we we, we got to think about that twenty years from now. We should have flying cars by then, right? Um, but I, honestly, I, th- I think maybe uh, we might be thinking like solar solar panels uh, on roofs of buildings or even gardens on roofs of buildings. I don't know why we're not doing that already. That would be my input to uh, to the Fulbright Lacrosse website. I don't know why we didn't do that with the the, the Lacrosse Center. We could have an awesome garden on top of the Lacrosse Center. Why, why don't we do that? Corn, we could be growing corn up there. Um, other questions. What is one improvement to make life better here? Or how can we improve the quality of life or make lacrosse a more desirable place to move and stay?